Welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 20. We're going to be repeating the same thing we did last year. So a group of us went to Damnation Festival in Leeds again, and we thought it'd be fun to just have like a rundown of all the stuff we saw live, because it's a nice way for us to talk about bands we basically know sort of all about, other than a half-hour live experience. So once again, I'm joined by Caitlin. Hello. And Hannah. Hi. And first-time guest, Mike. Hello. Yeah, so I guess we'll jump straight into this. So we've pretty much turned up for the whole festival, which quite nicely, you know, like Damnation's an incredible kind of setup of it's in a pretty small building, but you've got four stages, all of which are relatively good sound, um, and about what seven bands on each stage. So there's a huge lineup, and this just runs from one till midnight. So it is the most condensed amount of bands I think I've seen at any of these kind of events. So many bands. So, and so many of them really good. Like, when you've got Paul Bearer as, like, a starting band, like, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of shows the, the kind of calibre this is. It's certainly... I'd, I'd be surprised if something tops it for UK's best, like, indoor festival. Mm. At least, like, the one-day experience at any rate. So, yeah, um... We did, uh, in fact, miss the first two bands on, but um, early on we caught, I believe, well, at least UK-based uh, band. Um, I don't know if they're Leeds locals or anything. They're London. Uh, are they London-based? Right, yeah, relevant London-based. Okay, cool. So this is the band Wren. Um, Hannah and Caitlin, you two know of them vaguely from beforehand. Yeah, well, they were part of our pre-damnation, oh, whoops, it's coming up soon, we should listen to some of these bands that we don't mm. know. Uh, listening and I, I sort of feel like we maybe just got stuck on Ren because we, we did. They, they, were, they were the first one, we one to, and, and they, they were, were so good. good. <laughs> we listened and we were like, no, they're, they're too. This is this can't be. Um, yeah, but, um, they're so good. It's like a really, really heavy, slow, sludgy doom kind I, of sound. Yeah, I'd say like from what I caught, it is in the vein of that like sort of Isis, Cult of Luna, Neurosis yeah. thing, mm-hmm. but just taking the really like heavy chord element of that there wasn't so much of the more drawn out very melodic passages yeah, that you get with definitely. some of those bands it was just like yeah. straight to the point this is really it was heavy. exactly what i needed to wake me up when i got there <laughs> so I'm like, oh no they're all going to be too heavy for me i'm gonna have a rubbish time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so we should say before we get to it, mike's main genre is probably more like classic rock into like some progressive metal and then some just more classic metal. Yeah, that's a fair summary, I'd say. And so we dragged them along to a festival where Bloodbath were headlining. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, it, it was an interesting <laughs> interesting experience seeing Mike's reaction to a lot of these bands because <laughs> I think a lot of them was your first experience with that genre live. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd seen a few things like it at Bloodstock the other year. Mm. Well, that's the fun of Damnation. You can just turn up and listen to half an hour of a band. You're like, I have no idea what this is going to be like. And with Damnation, the genres are so wide-ranging because it's all just... Yeah, it's basically just a little bit of everything. Yeah, loosely in the category of extreme metal, whatever that means. So I think Ren were the only band who weren't clashing with anyone at all during the day. Yeah, Um, yeah. So sort of everybody piled in there. I mean, everybody, (laughs) the people who were there in the afternoon, so it was still on the smallest stage. But that was actually really nice event. There was like a sort of a good... It really felt alive. Like a good kind of atmosphere for one in the afternoon, and also mm. the the um, is it called the the called the Tone MGMT stage this year? Yeah, um, it's underground. It's a kind of like dark little bunkery room, um, and so the atmosphere was really great. But I do want to shout out to the security guard who was standing right in front of me <laughs> on the other side of the barrier, who just bless him looked so baffled, <laughs> and he kept looking from the head banging to the band yeah. and back again and going, "I have no idea what's happening." Yeah. 
So that was very little did he know what was to come for the rest of the day. But yeah, Ren are definitely considering. I think they've what got like one album and one EP. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the album came out three months ago. Like they were signed when it was just on the EP. Yeah, there's like for a relatively new band, they were super precise. Like their set was incredibly tight and mm-hmm. and just really interesting. There was like so early on, I was kind of thinking, like, okay, I've heard this kind of thing before. Mm-hmm. I can see what you're doing here. Like I one Christmas sort of had of them. They did a few too many riffs that relied on like sort of just playing the heaviest note on their guitar quite yeah, a lot. It's yeah, like, <laughs> But then they did one thing in the middle. There was just one riff where they cleverly got it so it sort of like built up, suddenly stopped and then came back again heavier as like a repeating pattern. And it's just one of the cooler riffs I've ever seen a band do. I was like, I don't even know how you've managed to make this work. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like a studio effect, but they managed to just do it by pulling back from playing a heavy note halfway through. Yeah, they are more interesting than they would have to be, I guess, for that kind of genre. Mm. Like, if you're into kind of, yeah, kind Stone of, of doom. sludgy, doomy stuff. Um, and then they're on the same record label as, like, Slab Dragger and Boss, kind of the bands like that. And yeah, it's like, yeah. You see that kind of vibe, but, like, I would say just heavier and kind of, yeah, more intense. Yeah. Uh, anyone else got anything to add to on Rent? They look very normal. They, they do. Yeah. do like for a very weird metal band. Yeah. yeah. adorable. Very cool band shirts as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So after that, I think we all went the same direction and got to see the um, Belgian-based band uh, Wedgie Dude. Who? Uh, oh, I think I went to Peachy. Lewis, oh, did actually. you go to Peachy? Well, we'll come back to you in a minute then. Um, yeah. So at least uh, the three of us went to see Wedgie yeah. Dude, which was I, I left early so I could get in there. And this was the main problem with Damnation this year. This is on Terrorizer stage, kind of second biggest of the lot. That stage was always a like absolute crush. Yeah, so yeah. we were all wedged in. Um, this band we saw uh, two years ago there, and their set was incredible. They, we've covered them on the podcast before. They play really interesting black metal. Yeah, um, yeah they were just very good. I, I don't have much to add beyond if you like black metal, Wedgie Dude are amazing. I think they only played uh, from their second album. Mm. I, I haven't heard their second album yet, and I didn't recognise a single thing that they were playing. <laughs> it isn't necessarily a bad thing, although I personally was slightly disappointed because I got to know them through their um, their first Damnation set that we saw. So I was a little bit disappointed not to be able to relive some of that greatness. But they were, you know, they were they were very good, and they'd got. Um, I guess they they sort of got it together a little bit in terms of show. Yeah. The last time we saw them, it was very much. The stage is the same colouring, which is mostly not lit at all, and just a bit a bit smoky. And this time there was quite a lot of sort of light and sound design going on, which was very kind of visually interesting. Mm. I, I don't know how much the bands do that. I don't know I, how much a venue versus the bands actually sort out things like lights and mist. I think they that. had the same light show I saw Svalbard have in that slot the previous mm. year. So oh, okay. I think that might just be the, the venue have set that up a bit better for future gigs. Sure. But yeah, like... Um, I guess one of the, the the interesting things about them is they don't have a bass player and make this amazing trebly noise. Downside to that is does somewhat get lost in the venue sound because it's like all treble and early band of the day. So it was kind of the sound was a bit more messy than I would have liked. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, not that I exactly saw them because I think we were so far back. I was like, well, I can see the nice light show above their heads. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I being not particularly into um, black metal myself, even I'm like, oh, and I quite like this band. They've got some like interesting kind of weird stuff they do, which is yeah. So even if you're not like super into black metal, would 
uh, recommend checking them out. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, the singer started doing some throat singing in the middle of one of the yeah, songs, which sure, is kind of incredible. Okay. <laughs> it's like, oh cool, he's making that noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah got time for that. So Mike, uh, I know nothing about PG Lost. How would you describe them? So, um, uh, it was early in the day, I don't remember the gig super well. Super well. They were, I enjoyed it a lot, so that stage, uh, what's it called? Uh, this is the I Saw Merch stage. The, the I Saw Merch stage was basically the prog stage and all the bands yeah, that yeah. day were sort of prog all like all metal. the time all like all the time <laughs> and i enjoyed pg lost a lot uh they're very sort of fun slightly poppy uh their singer i should add is possibly the nicest man i've encountered at a rock concert like you've got this stereotype that sometimes the the, the lead singer will put on this sort of douchey person persona but Oh my god, he was so nice, and he choked up a little bit at the end. And he was talking about how great the audience had been, uh. and he came down and gave everyone a high five. <laughs> it was just so wholesome. It was lovely, and that, that was the complete opposite of the next thing I went to go and see. <laughs> yes, so um, in between that, uh, we have uh, like the first band of the main stage, Diego Meister stage, is Paul Bearer, who... Yeah, I, I didn't manage to get anywhere near this. I think we went for mm. food just before they started. Did anyone catch any Paul Bearer? Uh, I think I caught a little bit. Yeah, we caught a bit, and then the fire alarm went off. Mm. That was yeah, unfortunate for yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and at first I was like, off. oh, there's an interesting thing going on. Oh no, it, that's, that's that's the sound of a fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone switched all the lights on. And then the band off. Oh, yeah. there is a fire alarm. Yeah. Right. Okay, so that that's slightly yeah. torpedoing the reviewing yeah. of Paul Bearer. Yeah. So, you know, they were fun. There were lots and lots of people in there. Because um, when we got in there, I, I was mostly waiting for the next band who were on in that stage. But everybody else in the crowd seemed to be really, really, really enjoying themselves. And for the people who were kind of big Paul Bearer fans, it definitely was what they wanted. Mm. Until the fire alarm went off, when it was very definitely not what they wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's quite unfortunate. Yeah. Cool, so um, the next slot is Psychedelic Witchcraft on the Iceland merch, which I don't think anyone went, no. went to. And then Terrorizer stage, we had Valenfire. Who me and Mike got to see. Yes. So Valenfire band I know pretty well, like famously sort of a death death doom meets like sort yep. of death grindy now. Um Yeah, front, that's a really good summary. Yeah. Like uh fronted by Paradise Lost's lead guitarist, who Ooh. turns out has an amazing death metal growl. It's a pretty good growl. And they're just very aggressive. Yeah, this <laughs> Mike not it's melodic enough, I had fun. Yeah, you're not normally a death metal fan, and you you well, dug this. Join me a bit of death metal every so often, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. It was it was really energetic. He really knew how to bring the crowd alive. My God, that room was entirely packed. Yeah, like, there wasn't even enough room really to squeeze through the slim conga line <laughs> to and from the bar. This this will be a recurring problem with this. This room was just so packed. Like when Valenfire are packing a room to like breaking points, like Valenfire are a good band, but by they're no means like a mainstream popular band. Mm. Like, but yeah, we got all the usual staples. Like Gregor McIntosh's like between like song banter is really funny yeah, and really it's really solid it's on point yeah really good at getting a crowd going um they sounded great like the sounds really mm. decent and it just suits those really groovy riffs like i imagine they made a lot of new fans that day cuz they're just very good at selling themselves in that environment yeah didn't manage to catch a huge amount of, like i only got about half a set before rushing back off to Mirka cuz i was kind of wedged in the balcony and was like oh that's enough of that this is this is quite uncomfortable <laughs> So, yeah, um, I think we all soon after that gathered uh, back on the Jägermeister stage mm. to watch Mirka, which is, I'll let Caitlin introduce because possibly one of your favourite artists at the moment. Um, 
Yeah, I have to say, I do, I do like her a lot. Um, so I think she is uh, Danish. I'm mm. one of those people who really likes music and then never knows anything about the artist. <laughs> that's so, fine, that's fine. Great work. Uh, so unsurprisingly, for anyone who's had my episode of Phil's Breakfast Metal, um, uh, Mirka is a black metal artist. Um, she's often kind of sold as a one-woman project, but I mean, certainly this time she had, um, you know, a sort of second guitarist and a bass player and a drummer, and, mm. you know, a lot of her music comes with that sort of thing, so presumably she does work with a band in the studio as well. Um, and she, you know, she played a really good mix of, uh, kind of stuff from her first album, which is incredible, and stuff from her new album, which is also incredible. I, I do really like it. She's so good. And so aesthetically, they were really very, very pleasing. So, um, she's very, very, very blonde and very, very pale and looks quite a lot like a corpse, which she had sort of made, uh, made worse by like wearing a sort of like corpse kind shroud of thing. linen-y smock <laughs> situation. It was delicately like... spattered with blood down the yeah. front. Yeah. Yeah. As if she um... sort of crawled out of a grave to make it to the gig. Yeah, and then her mic stand had some kind of like dead branches attached to it, kind of giving us a kind of lovely kind of creepy Norwegian forest vibe. And uh, the rest of her band were all kind of wearing hoodies, um, but they'd all had their faces painted to look like a little bit like they were made of bark, but not as much as when you see, say, um, I've always felt like the singer of Primordial is trying to look like he's made of bark. Um, so, like, not not that intense, more like you could still tell that they were people. Mm. Um, Sleeveless hoodies, I should say, as well. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. They were definitely showing off the guns. Absolutely. <laughs> there was a lot of gun on display. It was, it was very aesthetically pleasing, as you said. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, although I did find, I found the sound mixing um, to be really, really weird. So I, w- I was wearing earplugs um, because I'm basically a massive wuss about, about gigs. But um, I could hear her clean vocals really, really, really well. And I could hear the kind of, you know, the bass and drums. And I couldn't hear her screamed vocals at all. I really like Not that. even when I took my earplugs out. <laughs> yeah. Which probably tells you a lot about how I listen to music. <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't think the sound was amazing, but I didn't have too bad a time. But I could kind of tell what was going on. But again, I had quite a good view of the stage. I don't know how much is, is my brain filling in the gaps of songs I know. Yeah, mm. I feel like yeah. Because but I feel like the important thing was the clean vocals, and they mm. were like no, they were true. stunningly beautiful. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh Absolutely my god! Like, I can't. Oh I was like, how is she making those noises, like, in real life? It was, uh, yeah, yeah was so if you don't know Mirka, like, the, the general setup of her sound is a, like, kind of backing, like, the backing music is quite traditional sort of black metal riffing, but over the top of it, she lays an incredible range of vocals. So you've got, like, almost operatic stuff, you've got very classic, like, kind of female-fronted, almost pop, like, like, you know, that kind of, like, older Nightwish kind of sound, mm-hmm. like... Well, they did. Did they introduced us kind of? She was introduced as goth, black goth rock black metal or something, gothic black metal. In that, <laughs> oh, the man did say that, which yeah. was peculiar. Because yeah, that is I don't really, see I think maybe that. he was like the aesthetic is a bit gothic. Otherwise, I mean, maybe he was like, "That's a woman doing metal, so it has to be goth. That's the rule, right?" <laughs> maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Goth is quite right. But yeah, but she does have. She has the most astonishing vocal range, and I think. I know you don't mean to, but I think you do a sort of slight disservice by calling it operatic or comparing it to sort of old Nightwish, because I think that there's actually something kind of like astonishingly sort of folksy Mm. and very kind Mm. of naturalistic sounding about the way that her voice comes across, which reminds me a lot of, um, which I suppose... It reminds me a lot of kind of like much more sort of church music, although there is nothing particularly church music about the stuff that she does. Um, but I think op- operatic is a like a very particular kind of clean vocal style, and I don't think it's that at all. 
And I also think operatic vocals in opera almost in opera in metal almost always suck. I can't think of a lot of great examples. I'm sure there are some, but I, I can't don't really listen to that genre enough though. Someone will correct us. Um but yeah, like yeah. so essentially her clean vocals got to shine and the point is Mirka's act is built around those vocals, mm. so as long as you can hear those, that's a good set, even if the sound was a bit muddy. And yeah, it was just really enjoyable. Um I, I have to say I felt this the the kind of backing band with the hoods up. I've never liked bands wearing hoods on stage. Mm. I always feel it looks a bit kind of... Looks a bit silly. Yeah, or, or just like, you can't really get into it because you headbang with a hood on. No. You look yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, there was quite a lot of that. <laughs> I think the only band I'd it looks forgive it almost from is... like you're taking it a bit too seriously. <laughs> the only band I'd forgive it from is Conan. Yes, Conan and Get Away With It. Yeah. That's, that's very true. And the other very silly thing is, Mirka's, we were saying earlier, Mirka's scream vocal face is hilarious. <laughs> like, it's one of those things, everyone has a bad, like, screaming face, like, everyone pulls a slightly weird, angry face. But with the makeup she was wearing as well, it went very hammer horror, and it was... Uh, <laughs> it, it amused me every time she did it. Like, yeah. music still sounded great, it was a really decent set, um, but yeah, that was kind of amazing. But she was astonishing, absolutely highlight of the festival for me. Mm, mm. And yeah, it was, as you say, a lovely mix of old and new stuff. Um, yeah, so we thought, because it's kind of one of the interesting moments and Caitlin wanted, like, I've let everyone select a song to chuck in. So, uh, yeah, Caitlin wanted to go for, if you could find the name, because I'm not going to remember it. I've also forgotten the name. <laughs> okay. Good job, me. Give me a second. But yeah, like, uh, we'll, we'll stick in a track. This is off uh, her first album. Oh, no. Well, um, as is a, becoming a record for things that I bring with me to this podcast, I don't think I know how to pronounce this, but it's the <laughs> second track from her first album, M, which may or may not be pronounced Haven.
Yeah, so next up we had Dragged Into Sunlight and Big Business. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Big Business, so I didn't go that way. And Dragged Into Sunlight, I couldn't get in the fucking room, which will be a theme. Um, yeah. yeah, so unfortunately nothing in that slot. So the next band uh, any of us caught, and me and Mike both caught this, is the British Doom band Warning, who didn't really know before this mm. other than Andrew O'Neill mentioned their first, I think it was their first album being utterly incredible. So they're they're an interesting one of I thought they were a way older band than they are. They only yeah. formed in like the late nineties. Really? Yeah, yeah, but they just have the look of like They have the look of, you know, in a good way, the you know, the classic rocker who's been through it all, seen the stars rise and fall, mock the little kids running around these days playing what they think metal is. But Yeah, yeah and they're playing a very traditional old style old, of metal like, So old school. This sounds like really in the vein of like St. Vitus, but like it takes as nice and go even slower. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really, I, I, like, a very traditional, but they do do the style well. I'm not sure if mm. I'm quite with Andrew O'Neill it being the best Doom album ever, but um, yeah. that's that's quite a claim. <laughs> and as Mike was saying, appearance wise, their singer did mention they were, um, they were described in a review of Roeburn Festival yeah. as looking like four dads who'd come to pick their kids up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfectly accurate. Yeah. It's so charming. It's but like yeah, Mike, what did you reckon to this? Because you've not heard a lot of this super slow traditional doom. I've not heard a lot of this super slow traditional doom. Being a bit middle of the road, the closest stuff I've heard is a lot of the very early uh, Black Sabbath stuff. Mm. Feels similar, but nowhere near as glacially slow. <laughs> like you almost sat there going, play a note, play a note, play a note. Oh my god. Like, you think that playing slowly can't be that hard, but then you watch them do it, and you're just like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Yeah, it is. The way they get these harmonies out of their guitars is just lovely to hear. Mm, mm. And every so often it gets, you know, a bit lively and rockier, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm really alive here. Yeah, yeah, like, so it's all clean vocals, it's a standard four-piece of single guitar, uh, second guitarist, bass player, and drums. And as Mike says, this is just silly slow music. Like it is properly. There'll be a note, and you've got a twenty-second wait for the next one. Hence, where the technicality comes in. Because if you miss hit anything, you've got to you've got to sit in that mistake for quite a <laughs> long time. And these guys didn't miss anything. It was absolutely perfect on that regard. The singers' vocals are very subtle. They're not they're not really bombastic. This is yeah. not your classic candle mass like wailing. It's that more kind of introverted like in more in the vein of Ahab singer that kind of quite mournful um just like not really hugely projecting but getting a good emotion across mm. and yeah just really really enjoyable like I, I sometimes I find this more like because they would not speed up for anything. Yeah. There's a bit right towards the end of the set where the drummer did a bit of a repeating drum fill. And it, <laughs> it was like the most I'd seen him hit the kick. And it was like it fell out of place. But but it didn't get boring in that, I found. No. Which was remarkable. And, you know, broken up by a marriage proposal in the middle of it. Oh, it was so sweet. <laughs> So, uh, like, overlooking the Jägermeister stage, there's two balconies, and, like, I think one side's, like, VIP tickets. Um, 
Yeah, so I sat up there with a couple and the singer proposed on, on behalf of one of them and it was all really sweet. Aww. Aww, the whole room of grumpy, beardy <laughs> metalheads were like, yeah! <laughs> That's what they all want. But yeah, so straight after that, uh, it was Nails versus Agent Fresco. Uh, Nails being on the Terrorizer stage, we were getting nowhere near it. Like, yeah. I can't really say anymore. We just weren't going to get in the room. So we all went to see Agent Fresco. Well, I don't know if you two... No, we were having our break at that point, I think. Yep. Yeah, so me and Mike went to see Agent Fresco. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, I wasn't so into it. I describe him as leprous-esque. And I don't know... I think that's a good descriptor. So uh, I think the best way to put it is that if you imagine Akakaka as leprous, but they went darker... Uh, darker weird. than Akakaka. No, no, no. Lepre- no, no, no. If Leprous went darker. Okay, right. <laughs> Leprous went darker. And then Agent Fresco, or what would happen if Leprous went lighter and poppier and less weird? And that was not a thing that me and Phil were super into. Like, it was a really good set. It was really well performed. Mm. Uh, the friendly Norwegian people I spoke to later really loved it and told me it was the time of their life. So, you know. Hi, friendly Norwegians, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the issue I had with it was, so they don't have two guitarists like Leprous, and mm. for some reason, whatever was going on with the sound... The sound felt a little bit hollower. Yeah, it didn't it, have the punch, like you'd expect with like, yeah, that kind of really down-tuned guitars. weird uh, rhythms going on, and the drummer's just going bombastic in the background, but you've not got some sort of really big, chunky, meaty riff to carry the song and sort of push that melody melody through yeah yeah and the singer while like technically excellent was just a bit too pop for me and i don't think there was actually any problem with that set it just for whatever reason just didn't click so following that we had paradise lost which i caught like a song of but yeah just like no real comment there um Band I normally like, but yeah, just I had to rush to get into the other room for Dying Fetus because, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, everyone else went off to see a, the, probably the most interesting uh, kind of discovery of the festival. This is the Great Discord. Uh, Caitlin, do you want to give a brief description of this one? Sure. Uh, so the Great Discord are uh, just tagged as progressive metal on um, the Encyclopedia Metallum, which is as good a description of any. Um, so the kind of the f- Focal point uh, of them is is absolutely the vocalist mm. um, Sophia Kempe, I think. Um, <coughs> so she was incredible. Like, so I'm going to talk a lot about the aesthetics of it, but like, trust me, the music was also really, really great and really interesting. Um, but so she was dressed in this kind of like, kind of like entirely black leotard, very undecorated, apart from this kind of huge feather ruff. And then she has really, really, really short cropped hair. And she was wearing this kind of like enormous feathery headdress to have instead of hair for head banging. And she painted her face entirely white like she was a no theatre mask. And there was something quite sort of... There was something that reminded me a great deal of drag about her performance. Not because it was at all camp or at all highly feminised. I mean, incredibly short hair, kind of weird, entirely white, blank face. But it was more... It was sort of like watching somebody do a drag interpretation of black metal. So everything totally turned up to 11 in terms of performance. Um, and vocally really, really, really good. Mm. And so, again, this was on the, the teeny tiny stage again. And yeah, there, were, yeah. there were very few people in the room. When I first got in there, I was a bit like, oh, guys, why won't Ren on later on? I love Ren. 
does no one's come to see this band but absolutely every single person in there was thrilled apart from the security man who was the same security man who <laughs> <laughs> if anything was more baffled um, mm. but I have to say I, I was totally won over I thought they were incredible I was really really disappointed when I had to duck out two songs early to go and see Leprous and on reflection I should have stayed yeah, so um, like uh, I, I missed the set, but like I listened. You showed me a few songs beforehand, and I think the best like descriptive of this band is they sound a bit like the Mars Volta, like, but they have a female vocalist. Although that doesn't make all that much difference if you know the Mars Volta, like. So yeah, firmly in the category of progressive. And what did you reckon, sir, Mike? I didn't see them because I oh. spent the entire time waiting for letters. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, uh, and me and Hannah were waiting for Dying Fetus, yeah. so we should probably get into those two now. Although, great Discord, definitely the recommendation of, go mm. check this out, it's odd. <laughs> yeah. You probably uh, won't have heard it. Yeah. So, should we start with Leprous then? Um, Caitlin and Mike, you both caught this. Mike, this is this is definitely the band you came to see, so <laughs> yes, we'll let you go. Yes, the band I came to see. So the first thing with seeing Leprous, I don't know if they were going to do it on future tours, but on this one, they certainly did. There was an amazing surprise as I'm waiting there, and they're setting up the stage, they're bringing out the little boxes and the lights that they're using for their setup. And, you know, the odd roadie comes on and strums a few bars on... Uh, bass guitar or something and then some beardy guy comes out with this huge uh, cello and you're like ah it's another roadie he looks a bit smart for a roadie and then he sits down in this little chair he's not really got any lights on him and he plays the most amazing cello dude <laughs> is called oh, i got it on my phone somewhere Raphael Weinroth Brown and he's come along with them for this tour oh cool because cool. Uh, he did a bunch of the cello on the last album uh, it's mm. through all the songs a little bit subtly. Like, particularly on the final track of the last album, I think he's like yeah. almost entirely cello as the backing. Mm. Oh, crikey. Actually, I might have to change which track. Uh, I can't remember the one. Sign is fine. Yeah, especially the final track. And he's absolutely superb. Like, this sound check was better than most gigs <laughs> I go to. You know, like, it was, it was that good. He was just. Absolutely fantastic. And as someone who is less of an enormous Leprous fan, I can concur it was really, really good. <laughs> anyway, then suddenly they arrive on force and if you've ever seen the band members of Leprous, they look a little bit like they've walked out of some sort of slightly terrifying near future near future dystopia. Like, they look a little bit too perfect. It's slightly <laughs> uncanny. Like, if, if you were just to take a photo of them, they do look a little bit like a boy band, especially with the current lineup. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was right at the front. I could see every perfect feature of their perfect faces. <laughs> How was the sound for them? Because Leopards oh, are normally a band who do quite well on that front. Yeah, they really got the sound down. Everything sounded perfect. Uh, they really got that bass. Like, they really need to fill out the lower end to really sort of drive across some of their songs. Like, one of the things you find is that it's always going to be the, the big, catchy, lower end bit which will drive you through the song mm -hmm. and really drive those weird, funky rhythms that really give them their shape and flavour. And they played a bunch of songs which, you know, I'd always found a little bit so-so, like The Flood. I... So, kind of heavily off of uh, The Congregation, their album before oh, the yeah, latest. Yeah. Uh, the Congregation and Melina, really, mm. uh, to be honest. And, like, you know, I'd heard it, and it's like, it's another leprous ballad. They have this thing where they'll either do a really, they either do a big black metal screamy song or uh, a ballad, basically. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, it just plays so well live. I didn't. Yeah, no, no, that's like from my experience of seeing them live, they do tend to be a brilliant live act. Yeah. Did they have with them the video screens they usually have? Yes, they had the video screens with them. They played really well into it. Mm hmm. And I can compare and contrast that in a moment to Nordic Giants, but <laughs> we will get there soon. It <laughs> played in really well to their live set. It did everything they needed to do from this. And as you say, it was mostly a set of their latest two albums. Mm, definitely. Which seems to be the trend of them. Every time I see yeah. them, they just play the latest two albums and maybe one older song. Mm, like, I was a little bit sad not to hear anything where, you know, they venture daringly into anything with distorted vocals or anything like that. Because yeah. I, I was hoping for a bit of that at an extreme metal festival. But they had a shorter set and they made do with it. I do want to do a shout out to the vocalist though. Because the last time I saw them, he was definitely holding a single note while doing a full body bang, which I basically have no idea how that's technically possible. <laughs> because it just crushes the diaphragm. And this time, he was not only doing that, but he was also doing that while singing through a perfectly conversational line of a song that's just getting us onto the next line. And you literally couldn't tell where the bang had come in and in terms of like listening to it. And I continue to have no notion at all of how that is technically possible, but I'm <laughs> astonished and thrilled by that man's like singing. Oh yes, yeah. mm. because Caitlin like actually leads on to an interesting point about Labrys's live. This is one of the more active bands you'll oh, see. Oh yeah, they're just all over the place, uh, and they've got this cool thing with these boxes that they have right at the front of the stage because uh, the place the the sort of setup for it was uh, effectively just a sort of a glorified school gym hall. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> With the boxes on the front of the stage as well, uh, they're always just sort of changing up what the le the light levels or the height levels of the different uh, band members was. Everyone's moving around all the time. Sometimes people are silhouetted against lights. Sometimes they're in the you know straight in the middle, right in a pool of floodlight. Yeah, I agree. I thought they used the space incredibly well. Mm. And with the with the boxes, the other thing is that you're sort of because I've been at the very front of the ice merch stage a lot of times. And I'm sort of used to being like, oh yeah, you know, I'm like two feet away from the feet of that person. And then suddenly you're like, no, they're entirely looming over me. Their whole body is above me. This is terrifying. <laughs> they're going to crash immediately onto the crowd while also believing they won't do that because they're so kind of like rehearsed and perfect and in control. Yeah. Um, and I, there was a very unusual use of the space. And given that I've, I've been in that venue a lot, I grew up in Leeds. I've been to all of those stages a lot of times while I was a teenager. That was the first time I was like, this is a different use of space. How exciting. And it was very simple, but mm. very, very effective. Yeah, I like again. It was one of those like this was the clash where I was like I was gutted because I've never seen Dying Fetus before, so I had to go that way. But Leprous was something I really wanted to see because they're just always a great live band, and especially hearing now they got a cello player in just to yeah. do something a bit different. It was a shame to miss it, and it like Mel who was also there with us equally was like, yeah, it was incredible. Like again, even if you don't know Leprous, or even if you're not hugely into them. Catch them live, that's the way mm. to get into this band. Oh, definitely. Well, so, next time if they're not clashing with Dying Fears. I should give them a proper go, I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, with a cello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Mike selected a song uh, to sort of play us out of this bit. Uh, Mike, what do you want to play from, I guess, the new album? Uh, from the new album, it's going to have to be Captive. It's one of my favourites off of this one, although it's very difficult because... Again, it's another really solid album where there's no real sort of one or two best point-out tracks. And the more you listen to it, the more you're like, no, this song's the best. No, this one's the best. <laughs> both but, both this and Mirka's album expect to hear more about on the end of year show because guaranteed they'll be making some kind of an appearance. 
But yeah, Captive does very well the thing I really like from Lepra songs where they have the really strong, cool bass riff that just carries you through with an interesting, really interesting sort of time signature thing going on. With <laughs>
Cool. So in massive contrast to Leprous, me and Hannah went to watch Dying Fetus because <laughs> they don't play in the UK all that often, or at least not close to where I am. Uh, yeah, Hannah, do you want to summarise what Dying Fetus sounds like in case people don't know? Yeah, just just the most classic, perfect death metal you could ever ask for. They're just so good, and they've got techie bits, and they've got, you know, arguably grindier bit. It's just great. It's just solid, respectable, straightforward death metal, really competently played, and I was very excited uh, to see them. And and because of our patient queuing, we got right to the front, which is always great. <laughs> Absolutely, especially because I, I didn't really want to be anywhere near where the people would be flailing about for dying fetus. As, a, as we anticipated, it was quite intense. Uh, yeah. Because when that man tell you to, tells you to do a circle pit, you do a circle pit. <laughs> yeah. So this was on the previously and still massively crowded terrorizer stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, after a little wait, the unbelievably still a three-piece dying fetus yeah, to the stage. It's crazy. They do not sound like a three-piece whatsoever. Yeah. So like, what dying fetus do is like this kind of cool mix of like slam death metal but with then like some element like properly wedged together as well like tech death moments mm. and then some more traditional like death metal especially from so they've got two vocalists both bass playing guitarists two vocalists the guitarist does these properly incomprehensible slam oh, yeah. vocals and they are good slam vocals and then the bass player does a really quite intelligible kind of more higher range growl and the complementing of the two is fucking spot on the sound for this was just perfect. Just, like, bafflingly clear. I was like, I could be listening to a recording of this. It was, yeah, it was really, really great. And the vocals, yeah, uh, particularly great. Like, they're probably some of my favourite, kind of those, like, Cookie Monster, really deep vocals. And people are like, yeah, but what vocal styling do you enjoy? Because I'm a bit picky about particularly clean stuff. And it's like, yeah, like, dying fetus. <laughs> dying. As low as possible, like, like, rumbling in your sternum vocals. That's, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you want that, that dying fetus is for you. Yeah, yeah, well and truly. <laughs> and and the tech bits are just incredible. Like, watching these two, the, the, both the singers seem to have no problem playing anything while doing vocals. So you watch them doing, like, harmonised, like, sweeps across, like, a bass and guitar while still producing vocals... Oh, and it all sounds kind of musical and not self-indulgent for some weird reason. Absolutely, and they're just, like, super casual, just, yeah, they don't look like they're um, straining at all to do all these things at the same time and, you know, command a crowd. I mean, they're not exactly leaping about everywhere, but um, they're still a quite a presence, I would say. Yeah, possibly one criticism, but I think for a power trio with two vocalists, there's no way around this. They're an incredibly static band, yeah. because there's nothing they could do. No. <laughs> like... They have no respite at all. No, absolutely not. It's yeah, it's pretty solid, um, like a wall of noise, but solid, but completely intelligible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it, like the thing we've seen for the entire day, the crowd response to Terrorizer Sage was kind of incredible because you've just got so many people crammed in, so you've just got an absolutely nightmarish mosh pit, <laughs> absolutely, like, yeah, driven by constant shouts to kind of yeah. <laughs> circle pit more. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, a crowd who were really just absolutely loving every moment of it. Mm. There was a guy behind me growling along to um, all the vocals, <laughs> which was particularly funny. Um, which again, if you know Dying Fetus, how the fuck he's remembered yeah. any of that is beyond me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, kind of best comedy moment of the night was when uh, the, the lead singer's name, I can't remember, um, was like, yeah, um, and this one, sing, sing along to uh, <laughs> Wrong One to Fuck With. And I was like, um... <laughs> 
<laughs> that might be a bit of a challenge, and you're never really sure. I wasn't sure whether he was joking uh, or not. But um, the guy behind me gave it a really good go. Um, so kudos to that guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he was doing well. Yeah, so they, they played a great varied set, and I think Dying Thieves always do this, where it was just a little bit off most of their albums. Totally, like, yeah. I don't know the discography inside out, but everything I knew had a track off it thrown in there. Um <laughs> like set nicely finished off with killed your mother raped your dog yeah <laughs> <That> old classic <laughs> I mean, crowd pleaser yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um yeah i think with dying feeters you've got like the consistency is really nice mm. there's so many other bands you know who've been going for that long that you know oh the old stuff's good or oh, there was this one dead album and they kind of tend to avoid that but with dying feet i've just i mean i've never met a dying feet song i haven't enjoyed so uh, it didn't didn't feel, you know, there was no jarring moments when you were like, oh, this is the early stuff, ooh. or yeah, oh, yeah. this is the new stuff, which, you know, isn't quite as intense or whatever. It was all, yeah, pretty consistently great. I think they're in a very similar bracket to Cannibal Corpse, where they're just a band you just have to go watch live, and oh, yeah. it's just a brilliant experience. Totally. Like, they've been doing the same thing for a very long time, and they have perfected it to a fine art. Absolutely. Also, we mentioned drummers absolutely brilliant obviously you need a machine to keep this in place yeah, yeah that was impressive to watch i would find myself just watching him just keep going and keep going and keep going and i was like is everyone okay um should we take a break like yeah yeah but yes yeah, so definitely one of the highlight sets of this so um hang on i have one slight complaint to make about dying fetus which is that in the week preceding the festival my nice extremely catholic south korean workmate monica was like oh who are you going to see at a festival and i said oh I'll just pull the poster up and then remembered as it was loading that Monica extremely catholicly probably wouldn't be a fan of the metal festival and then went oh it's fine she won't be able to read any of the logos but she could read them she could read the dying fetus logo <laughs> because theirs is the only one you can read and as a consequence I could not buy the band shirt for damnation this year so I have yeah. no chance of their listening please do at least one iteration of your name where you can't read it straight off that'll be great well the, the older band logo is a bit um, a bit more messy but the new wonkier. one is white block capitals yeah. <laughs> there is no escaping that no, it is unfortunate, and you just sort of get used to it. Although I, I heard them refer to as the fetus, like along the day, which is my favourite thing, and uh, we should just refer to them as the fetus from now on. <laughs> I, I think even if they had obscured their logo, Sodom still would have been in silver block capitals. Yeah, <laughs> she might have minded less. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little less, but <laughs> yeah, this year I guess with the kind of uh, increased death metal quotient, it was uh, not the best one for explaining to relatives who what band. <laughs> going to see at the weekend yeah because at least wedge you do have the uh the dignity to hide it behind a translation exactly. no one will know yeah. <laughs> but yeah so um because it was another highlight we're gonna chuck in uh wrong one to fuck with off the new dying faces album here Oh, 
to sort of the last stretch we're like mm-hmm. getting up to about half nine now um i think the next bands that anyone caught uh caitlin you said you saw a bit of psychoptic uh on the tone stage yeah um very good technical death metal uh really kind of like uh virtuosity in terms of the guitar playing and as everybody who listens to psychoptic has to do um comment on the extreme weirdness of the vocals they did not match up with the virtuosity of everything else uh, and then, then got past half nine, which is my natural bedtime, so I went to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Psychroptic, fun live, maybe not the best vocalist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, if I'd given a lot of time with, with an album beforehand and got used to um, the vocals, probably I, I would have found it really good, and if they'd just been on slightly earlier in the day. Did they have a decent crowd, though? Because they're the one I was They talking- did. They had a really good crowd, and almost everybody else did seem to be really into it. You know, um, the fullest I saw that stage all day, although I wasn't there for Great Pleasures, which were the only band after them. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and like mostly pretty responsive crowd, so it was probably more just that I was very tired rather than that they were in any way bad. Oh, it's just nice to hear, because they've come, they're the band who've come the longest distance, because they're Australian, so oh, wow. it's, yeah, Oof. definitely want oh, them bless. to have a good uh, reception doing that regularly. <laughs> so, at the same time, I think Mike managed mm. to catch this, and oh, yeah. the rest has got there. Oh, crap, um, I'm the only one. Yeah, you're the only one. So, another incredible power trio, much yeah. older, this is Sodom. Sodom, yeah. Okay, so yeah, 
they're another of these uh, death metal bands and thrash metal. Oh, thrash metal. Thrash metal. Thrash metal. They are really old. Like uh, I think they're sort of in the peer group of Metallica, etc. They're so saying bit... something about thirty-five years old. Yeah, they're a bit after Metallica, but not hugely. They're mm. at that nice like point where. Thrash had got going, and then suddenly people realise, in Germany especially, you can make Thrash really upsettingly heavy. Yeah. And there comes Sodom. <laughs> and there comes Sodom, that really lovely, very heavy Thrash. I think on the sort of Thrash uh, four-square diagram, <laughs> they sit quite comfortably between, uh, on between say, uh, Metallica and Anthrax. Okay. Like, this is also because I don't listen to much Slayer, because I don't but uh, yeah i really enjoyed their set it was really good fun they really knew how to work the crowd and you know like that was a really nice highlight of the night yeah i'm gonna listen to a lot more sodom and you know just be like here are my cds and let's just ignore sodom (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they they were one i was kind of gutted to uh to miss because i've heard Mm. they've been on really good form recently oh they're such good form but yes, yeah, so the reason we missed this... Actually, no, we'll go into the, the band you saw next, Mike, and then we'll cut back to what me and Hannah watched. <sighs> so, following Leprous on the ISIL merch stage, this is like the kind of very prog end of things. This was the progist of the prog bands that was on this, on today, and I think I'm the only one of us who saw the whole thing. Caitlin, <laughs> you were there for a bit of the start. Yeah. Yeah, this um, is Nordic Giants. <laughs> so, all you really need to about, know about Nordic di- Giants is that there, there are two of them. One is on a keyboard, one is on some drums. They wear large, elaborate bird feather masks. Well, like, not as cool as the singer of Pearl Attack, or as cool as the singer of The Great Discord. <laughs> and By a long an way. enormous projector shows some sort of tasteful arts video as they do their various songs. This tells you exactly what kind of band they are. <laughs> also, and my dad's middle-aged friends really like Nordic Giants, right. and they otherwise don't like metal. Mm. And then they go, oh, but Nordic Giants! I mean, they're not really metal, but they are good, though. <laughs> so Yeah, they, they, were, they were the logical extreme of what this stage was all about. So Progressive I guess dad metal. I guess that's why they were last on, but I should have heard a long set. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't fault them or on their set it was really well put together it was really well executed it felt I'll be honest it felt a little bit sort of art exhibition-y yeah I think that's what they're going for a gruff Yorkshireman behind me said uh, something along the lines of it might be a little bit pretentious my friend but using a bit more uh, vernacular and uh, yeah also I saw that Ava reference, you weebs. <laughs> <laughs> so again, in massive contrast, at the same time on the Terrorizer stage, we were watching the, oh, actually possibly slightly pretentious, but still brilliant, agoraphobic nosebleed, oh. who, um, so their setup is really different to most metal bands you'll see. So they made quite a big thing of getting rid of the drum kit and setting up this giant pile of speakers that was to be their <laughs> drum machine. And then the members of the band started coming out on stage and, uh, you know, sound checking. And they are the weirdest looking band. It's, 
Yeah, I, I mean, the soundtrack was very entertaining. Just looking at these people come out and being like, who is actually in this band? <laughs> so, are, they, are they weird looking because they have done a particularly interesting costume situation? No. 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 It's really incongruous. <laughs> so the singer is a... The main vocalist <coughs> is a slightly overweight, bald guy in his 40s who looks like... Um, who's the guy who used to be on MasterChef? Oh, oh my God, Greg yes. Wallace. Yes. He does look very much like Greg Wallace. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, he uh, he was wearing a March for Science yes, T-shirt. Very much like geography teacher, dad kind of vibe. Well, yeah. Not what you'd expect from a band called Agrophoric Nosebleed. Exactly. Uh, and then then you had the second vocalist who is just a very small blonde woman who of completely indeterminate age. Yeah, yeah. And then the guitarist and bass player look like gym bros with very trendy haircuts. So all in all, it was just fantastic <laughs> to watch. And they all, so despite looking like they'd all just accidentally wandered onto stage, it was one of the most like coherent like band performances. Like, even though I find the music to be chaotic and frankly a bit upsetting, <laughs> um, being not particularly into grind myself, it was just watching these four people completely in tune with each other. I mean, it's so like changing from one thing to another you'd have to be completely on point all the time to like keep up with it and it was just kind of beautiful to watch these people kind of weave this this music together yeah and and you had like because so more so than hannah i love this band or at least their newer albums i think are incredible and you did get this amazing wall of sound like the drum machine was not lost in the mix they mixed this perfectly so it made like it really cut through and the playing was like so spot on because there's often a kind of misnomer that grind bands can't play all that well mm. my god were these guys technical absolutely yeah, yeah. Like... This, this definitely changed my view of what grind could sound like um, and actually I enjoyed the the spectacle I enjoyed the yeah if maybe not the music <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop making fun of grind in the car <laughs> Hmm. Just, just when Phil is there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's fine. I, I, I don't think this band have any problem with people taking the piss out of them. No. I, I mean, like, they're set in, and we're probably going to play out the entirety of this with um, uh, the song Question of Integrity, which is a rant about how they won't play live, live and they put that in their live set. Because <laughs> yeah. until very recently, <clears throat> these guys weren't a live band. So they've been around for years and years now, like well over a decade. And there's finally converted to a live act because they kind of, I, I don't think they ever thought it would work live. And which is actually yeah, really fantastic does. live. Yeah. Like if you have a chance to go see them, I would definitely recommend um, just for the experience. I was quite kind of sad that actually that I missed the, the kind of most of the second half because I wanted to go, uh, go get ready for Bloodbath. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing we haven't got to, which is probably the real highlight of their set is their vocalists are ludicrous. Their vocalists oh, yeah. are so <laughs> powerful. Like, I like, like I would say they almost outdid dying features in the kind of just sheer volume and like intensity Absolutely, of the vocals. Yeah. Like so, um, I forget both the names, but the so the uh, the male vocalist goes for a more traditional kind of like grindy punk um, sort of sounding scream, whereas you got then a more kind of like intelligible black metal scream from mm. the female vocalist. It's, 
and the combination of the, the two of them is yeah like a genuinely kind of interplay not just and now we've got this vocal and then we've got this vocal it was genuinely kind of like weaving like the sound together mm. which was um i don't think i've ever seen that kind of before and also they were performing like together like at, kind of at each other which was always really fun yeah so they made a lot of use of the space having two vocalists who were completely mobile and then to add even more texture to it the bass player added a lot of backing vocals and also bizarrely for a grime band was playing on a six string bass and even had like like a one riff that looked like a bloody bass solo it was it was uh, yeah not just not what i was expecting from mm. any of this but yeah it's uh, kind of slightly surprising sound out i didn't think this would be the highlight of the festival for me but i think far and away like the real hit show and they ended it so they're starting to do a thing where all their vocalists are recording an EP where the mm. guitarist has been challenged with writing an EP to suit the style the vocalist wants to do. The only one so far is for the female vocalist and it's a um, it's kind of more like sludgy doom yeah, album. Yeah, kind of quite stonery, which I, yeah, that's the only EP I'd listened to and I was like, oh, I love this. Oh, this is great. And then Phil's like, actually, they're, they're grind. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, okay. But um, yeah, that's really fun. And just the fact that, yeah, they would produce the, all these different different genres is uh, really interesting also the thing you missed was right at the end of the set the male singer walked off and left them to just like as a free piece do one final track from that album damn it Phil (laughs) yeah yeah that was that was like a real because it was a really cool change in tone yeah that their sound perfectly fit like there was no considering there was no change in lineup save a member walked off stage Mm. It sounded incredible. The the thing they had that I didn't mention, what you do, also do, of like soddle banter, like or because mm. I thought for a growing band there'd be a lot of crowd interaction. These guys are famously quite um, like kind of belligerent and silly towards the fans, but in this they were really polite. I think the only time they spoke between songs was at one point they pointed out that having an electric drum kit was a bit well, not electric drum kit, having a programmed drum track was a bit weird and that was about it and then they left stage without really saying anything it was like thanks bye whereas what you do literally left stage without saying anything yeah, in complete silence <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was a real standout set and that leads us to basically the end of the festival so the, the what we had left was on the tone stage grave pleasures who, really interesting band but I think all of us went to the Jägermeister stage to see Bloodbath yeah yep. Except for Caitlin, who was just wanting to go to bed at this point. Yes. It's okay. My dad works at the university, so I was sitting in his office with some tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. We're going to do it again next year. Well, they did have the uh, audacity, damnation, to extend it by an extra hour. Already we were struggling in previous years to finish it at 11, and then they finished at 12. I was like, oh, which is harsh, because for once I was actually very invested in seeing the headline of Bloodbath. Yeah. And I could hear them from my dad's office. Yes. So. <laughs> I really wanted to give it my all, but I, I was dead. Yeah, it's, it's a long all, day. All of my willpower had been sapped by Nordic giants. That <laughs> Where, took a lot of focus there. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I was like, I, I didn't even feel tired at this point because I was you waving on a, on a high of agoraphobic nosebleed yeah. and my eighth <laughs> pint of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell us about bloodbath. <laughs> Yeah, Hannah, do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, like, um, the... Well, weirdly so respectable for death mm. metal, but mm. they're like, yeah, the kind of um, death metal uh, super group, kind of various members of Opeth, um, Paradise... So, so at this point, it's uh, Paradise Lost singer, yeah. um, uh, Nick Holmes on vocals, 
two members of Catatonia, guitarist and um, uh, bass player, well, sorry, vocalist of Catatonia playing bass, and um, I think Axe is still on drums, and then the other guitarist who's not really particularly famous for anything else, but um, has yeah, the nickname is- Sodomizer. Nice. So that's his mental credibility. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Absolutely. I mean, gotta be known for something. Um, yeah. So obviously, uh, previously with Michael Ackerfeld, which is kind of the mm. how I got into Bloodbath, particularly. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think that's most people's routine. Yeah, um, and they're, they're, of course their classic um, metal night track, Eaten, which gets brought <laughs> out every time, and everyone's singing along, and it's great. So that was I was really looking forward to that, and I'm um, pretty familiar with some of the old stuff, not so much with the new stuff, but um, I was looking forward to seeing what this vocal, this new um, dip, uh, front man was going to do with it, and I actually was really, really um, impressed. I really liked him, kind of fun. I um, did some gentle banter. Had quite a convincing English accent, despite being Swedish. Oh, no, 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 that was a joke. Oh, He's Paradise okay. Lost frontman. Oh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, he is. He so this yeah, is. Yeah, I was trying to, bring... to work out whether that I was like. Oh no! Well, it's it, they're like Opethy, right? So it's, he's going to be Swedish. So every member of Bloodbath ever has been Swedish, bar him now. Okay. And he made the joke about four times in the set of going, "We're all from Sweden," right. in his own accent. Clearly, I was too tired at that point to <laughs> yeah, pick up yeah. on a side of <laughs> But no, he was really great. Um, well, that's actually saved because I was like, "Well, that joke's stupid. No one will, no one will have fallen." So no, no, I'm yeah, wrong. No, no, I was falling for it. It's very tired. It's been a long day. It, it was eleven o'clock. We'd seen a lot of bands. Yeah, absolutely. But no, they were really great. Um, yeah, I really liked his um, vocal stylings. They were like quite different, but and it was all good. Um, yeah, I would have liked them to play more of the older stuff, but unsurprisingly. Um, you know, if you have a vocal change for the newer stuff, you're going to want to sing that Al- stuff. Although I would say the set was pretty even. So we got stuff off every single release, bar I don't think they played anything off the Unblessing the Purity EP. Yeah. Which is cool EP, but it's only got three tracks on, mm. so I can understand. But we got a couple of tracks off, we got two tracks off the demo, definitely at least one off the first album, three or four off the uh, uh, Nightmares Made Flesh, the Peter Tagron album with... Uh, eating on it yeah and um, then like a bit more off the new stuff like yeah the only classic song they didn't play or at least i don't remember them playing was hades rising off of mm. fathomless mastery which is a really good track but you know can't do everything they've they're up to like what four albums and two eps now so that's quite a large discography mike you were kind of unaware of this until the car ride up uh what did you reckon the blood buff they were pretty death metal i'll be honest <laughs> like I I don't have Phil's great repertoire of this is the last thing ever. These are the great things about it. I did quite enjoy Bloodbath. I'll be honest. By that point in the day, I was just shot. So I was just like, I got my beer. <laughs> There's some death metal on. I'm okay with this. I'm sit and drink my beer. It's pretty good. Um, and for, uh, but yeah, they did a very good live show. They really knew how to get the audience going. Uh, like. If I can dig it, you, the listener, can probably dig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Bloodbath have that very weird thing, and it's still, still the case live. They're very accessible death metal. Mm, they're really yeah. accessible. It's a good entry point. Like super, like melodic, fun. 
definitely fun mm. at points, I would say. Yeah. But, but, but melodic without being melodic death metal. They're, yeah, they're no, not definitely. in that... Like, they, they never they're quite cross into... ostentatiously. You're like, this is weirdly catchy, but has not lost yeah. any of the heaviness or intensity of being death metal. And I actually thought the standout vocalist from the band is Anders, the guitarist. So mm. Anders is kind of... Because it used to be Dan Swano was the backing vocalist and um, like took that role as the kind of linchpin of the band. But it's now Anders of uh, Catatonia is that that kind of point. And he did a lot of backing vocals throughout the set, most of the solos, and had this kind of... He was definitely the loudest member of the band as well. Like His, voc- his vocal mic was way higher than Nick's. Mm. And so, like, say, when we got to the encore of Eaton... His kind yeah, of screams a... of Eaton yeah. <laughs> cut through as you want them to, and like Absolutely. a lot of his backing vocal lines are lines a lot of the songs are built around. They're like the kind of punchy bit of the chorus, and they, they did the usual thing of covering themselves in fake blood. And oh yeah, yeah, and the... Um, the yeah lead singer dressed in a kind of priest's like robes that were kind of covered in like dirt and blood, Lovely. with the kind of swinging crosses. Um, it was a pretty convincing look because he was completely bold as well. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a good vibe. Yeah, it definitely worked. I I think having had seen them with Michael fronting them like a couple of years ago, any follow up vocalist is going to yeah. seem a bit disappointing. And I did find Nick Holm just not quite as good. Like as my one takeaway for it that was negative was just like ah the vocals weren't quite as good as I wanted them uh, to not, be. Not, but... well, not quite as good as Michael. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yeah, whereas I had never seen Blood Bowl before, so I was uh, I was pretty pleased. And of course, they did the, uh, you know, slightly self-referential, like, they were like, oh yeah, it's the last song, we're doing Mock the Cross. And I was like, yeah, it isn't the last song, though, is it? You haven't done Eaton yet? You haven't done Eaton? And then they were like, oh, go on then, came back for an encore. Which seems extra silly when it's a band who's covered themselves in blood and has been, you know, talking about, you know... <laughs> Or to still do comedy fake out encore. But, yeah, uh, although one band of the festival had to do the fake out encore, so it oh, should be the yeah, headliner. Yeah, absolutely. And and Eaton is just a perfect way to end this festival. It was great. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like it was probably the highlight of their set. Although actually, like a load of older stuff, like sounded just incredible. Like outnumbering the day. Yeah, I was going to say that brilliant. was probably yeah my favorite song that they did. Yeah, obviously, but like yeah, outnumbering was great. But yeah, so um. Because I wanted to play it, because they were probably my stand-up at the festival. Wait, 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 Ooh. wait. Plug your own podcast before you play out. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we have a Facebook page. Come talk to us, like, uh, at the usual, yes. Because Caitlin has listened enough times to know as me and Rob forget this every single week. <laughs> uh, or week, or every month, when we're able to record. So please get in touch via Facebook, uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal. Um, contact us Gmail, Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com. Um... Twitter, at Phil's Breakfast Metal. Just get in touch via some way. We don't have enough people to chat to about this stuff. So, And end of the year, podcast is coming up soon. So just recommend us your favourite albums of 2017 so far. Because there's going to be a load of really good ones we've forgotten. <laughs> we haven't forgotten Leprous Mike. It's alright. <laughs> and if you're listening, Damnation Organisers, we love you. We know mm. there's always one stage that's really crowded every year. And please get Ahab for next year, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and future advice, if Damnation people are listening, enough toilet paper in the men's toilets, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that is a venue problem, it's not their problem. Also, Someone sort that, that is not right. <laughs> also thrilling to go to a festival where the queue is for the men's toilets. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Good times. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, probably now appropriately after that rant, we're going to play out with the Gorofo nosebleeds question of integrity. <laughs>